Welcome, everyone, today to Victoria and Friends. Seriously, you've been such a dear friend to me. And I'm so grateful that I can call you my friend. So, Father, I just ask you to help our friends. I'm good. It's so lovely to be with you. (laughs) You don't have the face for radio. You have the face for television. (laughs) Today, I'm talking to a friend of mine. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria, and congratulations on your new show. Welcome to Victoria and Friends. Victoria's guest today is the founder and director of the International Heart and Lung Institute in Palm Springs, California, Dr. Stephen Gundry. And now, here's Victoria Osteen. Today I have Dr. Stephen Gundry. He is a medical doctor, but he is also an author who has written many best-selling books and so amazing. But tell us a little bit about your new book, Gut Check. Well, Gut Check is the, is the latest in the series that started with the plant paradox now, oh, seven and a half years ago, where uh, I guess I made the argument that the there's some problems with some of the foods that we eat and then some of the things that we do in our lives that create an imbalance with the microbiome, that collection of bacteria and funguses and molds and parasites that live in our gut and the the wall of our gut. What uh, What's fascinating is that Our uh, GI tract, um, our intestines, actually starts at our mouth and goes all the way down to our rear end. And that system is actually the same surface area as a tennis court. Hmm. So Wait a minute. The same surface area as a tennis court. Tell me what that means. Inside each of us, the lining of our gut is the same surface area as a tennis court. Does that mean it's smooth? Does that mean it's... It's actually the surface is not smooth. And the reason it's not smooth and the reason it has the surface area of a tennis court is we have all these little microscopic, what are called microvilla, which are basically a shag carpet on the inside of us. Mm. And that shag carpet has one would think actually a design flaw and that is this lining of our gut is only one cell thick Hmm. and and yet it's the surface area of, of a tennis court so that everything that we eat and all the microorganisms that live in us are separated from us by just one cell Hmm. Now, why is that important? Well, it turns out that 80% of all of our white blood cells, our immune system, are on the other side of that wall. Why in the world would 80% of all of our white blood cells that fight infection, that protect us, be located right there? Because that wall is only one cell thick. And so anything that can breach that wall is viewed as foreign and dangerous. And what gut check is really all about is showing that who lives inside our gut, the type of bacteria that live inside of us, and the relationship 
of those various organisms to our overall health uh, is paramount. In fact, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, 2,500 years ago, said that all disease begins in the gut. Mm -hmm. And the guy was right. So you choose the disease. Choose one, anyone. Well, let Can't. me just stop. Let me start right here. You you used to be a surgeon. You were a heart specialist. Heart so right. you know all about even the heart. You're, you're asking me to choose. How about heart disease? You know about all that. That's what you did for so many years. And yeah. so, okay, I chose that one. <laughs> right. So coronary artery disease, like I talk about in the book, doesn't come from high cholesterol. Cholesterol has nothing to do with producing heart disease. I have people who have total cholesterols above 500. I have people with LDL cholesterols, the so-called bad cholesterol, above 400. And they have absolutely no coronary artery disease. They have no plaques in their coronary arteries. On the other hand, I have people with very low cholesterols, with very low LDLs, who have significant blockages in their coronary arteries. So what's the difference? Well, as I've written about, uh, people who have inflammation yeah. on the walls of their blood vessels are the people who are going to get blockages. And if you don't have any inflammation on the wall of your blood vessels, then you will never get blockages. Now, where does that inflammation come from? It turns out that people say, oh, you got to eat an anti-inflammatory diet and you need to take anti-inflammatory supplements. And because inflammation is the cause of problems. Well, what people don't bother to think about is, well, where does that inflammation come from in the first place? And the inflammation comes from the fact that the wall of our gut is being uh, you know, penetrated by pieces of food that we eat, by bacteria that we eat, and our immune system is causing the inflammation. Mm. And so if you stop that penetration of the wall of the gut, then you have no inflammation. And so people could eat all the anti-inflammatory foods they want. They could take all the anti-inflammatory supplements they want. But having lived in California now for much of my life, that's like fighting a forest fire with a garden hose. So you have to stop the ingredients that cause that forest fire in the first place. And that's what really gut check is about. Mm. So that's so interesting because you explain that so well, you know, like that inflammation, where does it come from? Because you do, you hear a lot about inflammation and, and, and so where does it come from? And it's not, I, you know, I know there's a lot of great medicines out there, like high cholesterol medicine and things like that, but those aren't. Those are actually just going to treat. They're not going to cure. Is that correct? That's correct. And in fact, we, so we you're now know. you're not you're trying to cure the problem, not treat it. Right. right. I actually allow patients, just like Hippocrates did, to allow their bodies to actually cure themselves. Hippocrates believed 
in what he called in Greek a green life force energy. Now, that sounds very California speak, but he believed that all of us had this green life force energy that wanted us to have perfect health. And that there were external factors that were keeping most of us from expressing that green life force energy. And he believed that a physician should be a detective and find out what were those factors that were keeping that person from expressing their green life force energy and teach the patient to remove those factors. And then the green life force energy would cure the patient. And the guy was absolutely right. So for the last 20 plus years, I've just been a detective. And what's been fascinating is we now have great blood tests that can detect leaky gut. We can detect what factors are causing the leaky gut. And we can teach the patients what that factor is. And lo and behold, the patient's leaky gut goes away. The patient's heart disease goes away. The patient's depression or anxiety goes away. Uh, and I, the patient's autoimmune disease go, goes away. Uh, about 80% of my practice now is people with autoimmune diseases, things like Hashimoto's, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus. And what we found is, and I published these papers, that in a year, 94% of these people uh, are in remission. They are no longer on any medications. They have no longer any markers for these autoimmune diseases. And 94% is not a bad outcome. These uh, blood tests, do you talk about those in your book? Yeah. Um, so we um, use a company called uh, Vibrant Wellness, where they've, uh, thanks to a lot of work by a professor who's now at Harvard, Alessio Fasano, uh, we've been able to determine uh, how to measure leaky gut. It's not pseudoscience. Some people call it intestinal permeability. But we now have blood tests that measure this. And we have blood tests that can show what foods that people will be sensitive to. Now, these are not allergy tests. They're food sensitivity tests. For instance, uh, I've become so busy that I, I now have a, a telemedicine company called Gundry Health that we offer these tests and at a very reasonable price. But the fascinating thing is most people with any condition that you care to name, um, anxiety, depression, just to name two, uh, have leaky gut, have what's called intestinal dysbiosis, which basically means you got a bunch of not so great bugs in your gut. And we can show with the passage of time in, for instance, three months, uh, dramatic changes in leaky gut, dramatic changes in depression and anxiety by watching these um, bacteria, if you will, change. That's amazing. What is the gut diversity? What does that mean? 
Well, so yeah, gut diversity. Normally, we're supposed to have about a hundred trillion bacteria in our gut. A hundred trillion. That's a lot of bacteria. That's a lot of bacteria. Just to give you an example from the book that we now there's been a count that there are eight trillion trees in the world. That's a lot of trees. So there are actually 92 trillion more bacteria in our gut than there are trees in the world, just to give you an idea of the enormity of this forest that lives within us. And it really is a uh, a forest, a, a, uh, a rainforest, if you will. With all of this, any forest has what's called biodiversity. You've got lots and lots of animals and plants, and everybody is kind of interdependent on making that a very biodiverse uh, ecological system. Well, it turns out that our gut is one of the most unique biodiverse rainforests ever discovered. And all of these various bacteria are supposed to interact with each other. And part of the book is, it turns out that we now know that bacteria make very important compounds that control most of what's going to happen to us. They're going to control our mood. They're going to control whether we get diabetes, whether we get heart disease, whether we're going to get Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease, whether we're going to get cancer. And many of this, these bacteria are dependent on other bacteria that live in this ecosystem to give them the products that they need to make a product that we eventually need. And we're beginning to realize that we become our own worst enemies. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, up until 50 years ago, there were no um, broad spectrum antibiotics. And back in the good old days when antibiotics were first invented in the 1940s and 1950s, we only had simple antibiotics that would treat one or two different bacteria. And as physicians, that would be very frustrating because we'd, we'd want to, if someone came in, let's say with pneumonia, uh, we would, we'd have to figure out what bacteria was causing the pneumonia and we'd have to grow it on a Petri dish. And then we'd have to figure out which antibiotic would work on it. And it might be many days before we eventually figured out what antibiotic we should use. Well, fast forward to the mid-1970s when broad-spectrum antibiotics were developed, where we could basically shotgun everybody who walked through the door. And we wouldn't have to worry about, well, which bug is which. We'll just get out our shotgun and blast everything. And it was miraculous for us doctors. The problem is we didn't know that while we were killing whatever was causing the pneumonia, these broad-spectrum antibiotics were killing all the bacteria that lived in our gut and basically taking a forest and burning it down to the ground. Mm. Now, that's bad enough. It turns out that we now give antibiotics willy-nilly to all of us. 
most of us who go to our doctor with a runny nose or a scratchy throat or a cough are giving antibiotics, even though they're caused by viruses. And 70% of all the antibiotics produced in the United States are actually fed to animals for the purpose of making them grow faster and fatter. And those antibiotics become part of the animal's flesh. So that when we eat a steak or a chicken or a piece of pork, we're actually eating antibiotics, broad spectrum antibiotics that are also killing our bacterial flora. So we become literally. So what do we do? <laughs> well, the book is what do you do? What do we and, do? Uh-oh, I feel like I can't quit eating steak. That probably won't happen. Uh, let's see. Well, for instance. Everything have, organic? That's a good start. Uh, if you're going to have a steak, you want grass-fed, grass-finished steak. But believe it or not, in the latter part of the book, it turns out that steak, uh, don't get me wrong. I have no dog in this fight. I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, the <laughs> state. And, uh, you know, we have steak for breakfast, you know, a side of pork for, for lunch and, you know, a hog for dinner. Uh, so I have, I think it's great. But the problem with meats, red meats, are that they contain a funny sounding sugar molecule called new 5gc and in my other books in this one i use the expression who knew we react to new 5gc in beef lamb and pork and also milk to make antibodies believe it or not against our blood vessels against our joints against our brain and they're not present in fish and chicken uh, they're also not present in fermented milk products like yogurts, like kefir, like cheeses. And interestingly enough, they're not present in traditionally fermented sausages. Long ago, people had to use, you know, the whole hog and you had to preserve it because there wasn't any refrigeration. And so the making of sausages was actually used bacteria to ferment the sausage. And in the fermentation, this mischievous little sugar molecule, NU5GC, is eaten. So in traditional sausages, um, there is none of this harmful compound. So as I talk about in the book, some of the longest living people, most of the people in blue zones, actually consume large amounts of fermented sheep cheese, sheep yogurt, goat cheese, goat yogurt. And they eat a lot of fermented meats like sausages. In fact, the country with the longest life expectancy in the world, uh, go ahead, take a guess. Where Where is the longest life expectancy in the world? The Netherlands. <laughs> Eh, no, but actually, <laughs> it's in Europe, and it's in a little country called Andorra. And Andorra is a little country between Spain and France. It's up in the Pyrenees Mountains. Uh, and the Andorans, uh, their life expectancy is, is pretty doggone close to 90 years of age. Life expectancy. And they are 
sheep and goat herders. And their diet basically consists of goat and sheep products and sausages. Mm. And they, so sorry, Blue Zone folks, and I spend a lot of time in the book about this. The Blue Zones aren't Blue Zones because they're eating grains and beans. Uh, the Blue Zones are Blue Zones because, believe it or not, they're smoking. And they're eating lots of cheeses and lots of sausages and make a very interesting case for that in in the book that's so that's so interesting so i was just hoping you could tell me that i could take some prebiotic and probiotics i'm glad you brought that up because everybody now have heard about probiotics so so-called friendly bacteria a lot of people are beginning to understand that prebiotics which are in general the fibers that the probiotics want to eat, uh, which is true. Uh, but a lot of people have yet to hear about what may be the most important factor, and that is postbiotics. Now, postbiotics are the poop of these bacteria eating the prebiotics. Hmm. Turns out that these postbiotics are actually what control everything that's going to happen to us. They control our mood, they control our energy, they control whether we're going to get colon cancer or not. They may even control breast cancer. Uh, and so one of the most amazing studies that I alluded to in previous books, but I talk about again, is that we used to think that we could eat prebiotics. We could eat Oh, ground up flaxseed. We could eat inulin, a very nice sugar molecule. We could eat uh, psyllium husk, psyllium powder, uh, great prebiotics. And our bacteria would love it and everything would be fine. Well, a husband and wife team from Stanford, the Sonnenbergs, decided to do an experiment a couple of years ago with humans. And they gave half the people all this wonderful prebiotic fiber. And they looked at their biodiversity, how many different bacteria they had in their gut. And they looked at markers of inflammation. And they found that son of a gun, giving these people all these prebiotic fiber didn't change anything about making more biodiverse microbiome, and it didn't change inflammation. But then they said, huh, what if we gave these people fermented foods? Now, fermented foods have postbiotics in them. So for instance, vinegars are a fermented food. Yogurt is a fermented food. Kefir, um, kimchi, sauerkraut. So they gave them fermented foods with the prebiotic fiber. And lo and behold, that combination made more gut biodiversity, lots more different species. And then the people's inflammation went down. Wow. So you had to have both. So your question was actually very wise. Now, what's really interesting is, Everybody says, well, they were getting friendly bacteria in the yogurt. Uh, you know, they're getting probiotics. Well, not so fast. Most yogurts don't have any living bacteria. They're already dead. 
Mm. Number two, in the minute you swallow those yogurts, your gastric acid kills all the bacteria. And yet they benefited from this. And I talk about this in one of the chapters. Dead men may tell no tales, but dead bacteria do. <laughs> and it turns out that dead bacteria are actually read by the bacteria in our gut as information. Uh, I'll give you an example. Today, I took our four dogs for our morning hike, and we have uh, three males and one female. And the males, of course, have to stop at every tree, bush, etc., and smell the information. And then, of course, they have to leave their information. And we have no idea, you know, what the heck are they doing? Well, they're reading the information that was left there by other dogs. And they're going, oh, you know, Roscoe from down the block was here. He was just here today. Uh, and they actually get information from something that we can't recognize. Well, now we know that bacteria read information from dead bacteria. And that's why, believe it or not, eating a lot of dead bacteria is probably a really good idea. That's a, who, who knew? Who knew? So you have to eat it. You can't, like, take a postbiotic. Oh, yes, you can. You can. Postbiotic actually has to be in a delivery form that you can use it use a couple of, of examples um, in one of my previous books. A lot of the postbiotics are actually gases that we make in our, in our intestines. Strangely enough, hydrogen gas, the smallest molecule in the world, is incredibly important for our brain. And we have to have bacteria to make hydrogen gas. You know, the, the Hindenburg exploded from hydrogen gas. We have to have hydrogen sulfide, the rotten egg smell. Uh, we actually have to have methane to produce chemicals that communicate with our with our cells. Uh, just a really interesting example. We in Japan, they looked at people who developed Parkinson's disease, and they looked at whether they had bacteria that produced hydrogen gas or not. And lo and behold, the people who had Parkinson's didn't have bacteria that made hydrogen gas, whereas people who didn't have Parkinson's had bacteria that made hydrogen gas. So they gave people hydrogen water, hydrogen dissolved in water. And I make a product at Gundry MD that does this, but other people do as well. And they made them drink hydrogen water. And lo and behold, their Parkinson's symptoms got a whole lot better just by giving them hydrogen water. Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. So that, that we're talking to Dr. Gundry and his book, his newest book is Gut Check. And you can get this book anywhere, right? I mean, wherever books are sold. Correct. You know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. One thing we've learned from the pandemic was please, please, please support your local bookseller. Um, these guys were starving during the pandemic. And, you know, we we really, we need to help them at, at all costs. And so 
But isn't that the truth? I mean, it used to be so fun. You could go into all these different bookstores and you very few bookstores around anymore. So, yeah, for sure. If there's a Barnes and Nobles or something around, it's always great to go in and and buy a book. I do. I do agree with that. You know, we don't, we don't want to get rid of all of our retailers, do we? Still fun to go no. shopping. No, <laughs> it's no. still fun to go shopping. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. it's nice to have everything at your fingertips, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. I still like to go in and see <laughs> see what's no, all no. there. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, the people in a, in a bookstore will. You know, you go in and say, "Hey, what's what's interesting?" And then, you know, a lot of times you'll see, "Oh, you know, the staff just read this, and you ought you ought to read it." And you you go, "I would never even think about looking at this book." And you know, they're very useful for that sort of thing. Yeah, but, it's like a good recommendation for a movie, isn't it? It's always best when you get when you get some. Yeah, that's right. People who's recommend- a, one who's actually seen it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you're always so much fun to talk to, and I love this book, Gut Check. You know, we've heard a lot about this through the years, but this is a real thing. This is a real thing to pay attention to, isn't it? And the foods we eat. Is there any foods that we should not be eating besides maybe, the, you know, beef? But is there anything fast foods? And those are probably not good for your gut at all. Yeah, one of the problems uh, that we've learned over the last few years is that most of the food we eat are now what are called ultra-processed foods. And these are foods that have basically become simple sugar and simple saturated fats. And one of the striking findings is, yeah, you, you have a lot of different bacteria in your gut. And there's some good guys and there's some bad guys and they're believe it or not, you're supposed to have a balance between the good guys and the bad guys. And hopefully the good guys exceed the bad guys, but the bad guys are there for a reason normally, but we've learned that the bad guys thrive on simple sugar and saturated fats. They love it. The good guys can't live on those things. They literally starve to death. They don't have anything to eat. And what's really weird is that these bad guys actually hijack our brain. They send text messages to your brain that say, hey, I really need, you know, a, a, you know, a great donut and, and wash it down with um, uh, a half a pint of butter and go get some more. And they actually make you seek this stuff out. They control your brain. On the other hand, the good guys, if you give them what they want, which are very complex sugars, um, starches, resistant starches, uh, they'll actually tell your brain, oh, we are so happy that our needs are met. You don't need to go find any food. You don't have to be hungry because we got what we need. And that this was brought home in a, in a famous Chinese study a couple of years ago. They took people and they put them on a 14-day water fast. All they got to have was water. Half the people were given a hundred calories of non-digestible fiber, basically psyllium husk, hundred calories. The other people just got water. 
what they found was that the folks who got the psyllium husk weren't hungry for 14 days. And the other people, of course, were starving to death. They're going, oh, please, please, please. And you're going, well, what the heck? You know, you, you couldn't digest those psyllium fibers. What happened? Well, they've showed that the bacteria, the good guys, said, got all the food we need. Thanks so much. You don't have to go looking for food because our needs were met. And that's what we've seen in our in our clinics. You know, I still see patients six days a week. I just finished with a patient a minute ago. So I even see patients on the weekend. And one of the things we found is you don't need a Zempic. You, you don't need Wagobi. You just need to give your good bacteria what they need to eat. They'll take care of the rest. They'll take care of your hunger. And it's actually remarkable how trusting in your microbiome, giving the good guys what they need to eat, will take care of just about everything. Just like Hippocrates said 2,500 years ago, all disease begins in the gut. And like I say, all disease ends in the gut. Wow, that is great, Dr. Gundry. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about feeding those good guys for sure. I want to think about feeding those good guys. But this has been so enlightening, so much fun. Gut Check, Dr. Gundry's newest book. You can get it wherever books are sold. And uh, I hope you pick up a copy because it's it's really good to know these things. And I mean, we all want to live long but we have to do our part, too. We all want to be healthy, but we have to do our part, too. So I love that so much. Thank you, Dr. Gundry, for sharing your information with us. And thank you for writing books like this that are going to help us make the right choices. Well, thanks for having me on again. It's great to see you and keep up the good work. Thank you, Dr. Gundry. We hope we can talk real soon. All right. All right. We'll look forward to it. God bless. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends, produced in partnership with SiriusXM. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and let us know what you think. And if you've not done so already, subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends.